rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Well, welcome to another episode of Rumors of Grace. This is Bob Hutchins. And today I am talking with Scott Erickson. This is a interview that I have been pursuing pretty hard. And Scott told me before uh, I started recording, he said, uh, kudos for your persistence. So <laughs> um, depending on how you look at it, Scott, I've been bugging you quite a bit or I've just been asking you quite a bit. So thank you for taking the time. Scott is a... No, you're welcome. Scott's a touring painter. He's a performance speaker. He's uh, a creative curator. Um, He's a bit of a renaissance man. And the way that I came in contact with Scott was uh, through the book that he co-authored with Justin McRoberts, uh, 40 Days of Practice. It's a book on prayer. If you haven't picked that book up or if you haven't seen it, it's it's a beautiful book, uh, mainly because of, of Scott's artwork in there, uh, but also obviously the content. Scott's also a speaker. Uh, He brings his training and education to one-man shows that he does. We're going to be talking about one of those, uh, and he has uh, done We Are Not Troubled Guests. It's a performance storytelling piece in which he navigates the surprising gift of an existential crisis, and his current show is called Say Yes, A Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself. So we're going to talk about that in detail a little bit later. But uh, before we before we launch into the, our discussion, just so you'll know, this is not just some guy who decided that he was going to draw or paint and he has a little following online. Scott's artwork uh, and things that he's done has appeared on CNN, National Geographic, various magazines, newspaper outlets, and book covers. So he is really good at what he does. I love his artwork. And he lives currently in Vancouver, Washington, and he lives there with his wife and his children. So, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bob. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. What do you what What are you What are you about today? You're you're a guy that never slows down, like me. What are you, What are you doing right now? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I'm learning my <laughs> rhythm of touring or like traveling. So I just did a big weekend of traveling. So what I know physically wise is, um, like I got home Monday and I'm tired Tuesday. I'm really tired Wednesday, which is today I get depressed. Mm. So, uh, so I'm tired, but I'm also like, I have a low and that is probably today and maybe tomorrow. Mm. Uh, so I have been building uh, just mental health practices, physical mm. practices to mm. deal with that. So today I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to sit in my friend's hot tub. I'm going to have lunch with a good friend. And uh, so really I like um, – I got to get out of my head and into my body is, mm. how I, is how I've been learning how to cope with it. Do you do, um, do, you do, do, you do any, any Enneagram stuff? Do you know about that? Oh yeah, I'm a four. I'm okay, <laughs> I get. I was gonna say you may, you may. Sounds like you may be a four. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm poster poster four. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I, um, yeah, it's just been that. I think that's the the side of. I would love to actually talk to more performers about it. Uh, I, I mean, I've heard a few pastors and speakers talk about it, but yeah, as I've, I mean, I'm in my forties now and. I can, and I can, I can rally when I travel, like it's it's not very much sleep and it's, you know, a lot of lines and carrying bags and setting up and tearing down and talking with people all day long. So I, I go hard into it, but then when I get home, I, I'm just learning the rhythms of, of, you know, uh, coming back to normal Mm. My body's like resetting and, uh, and how to do that well. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, uh, well, kudos again on on being self aware of that, man. That's that's so good that you, that you're aware and that you do what it takes to, you know, to take care of your mental health. Um, talk to me about talk to me about your your history. Were you always an artist? Is this something you just decided to do one day? Uh, talk to me about that. 
Yeah, I uh, I had an inclination and a, a talent at it. I mean, I had a couple. I had a teacher in junior high and in high school who were very encouraging. Um, in college, I studied as a teacher and I did art as kind of a minor. So I was a I was a I was a high school art teacher when I graduated, and I I didn't know if I wanted to teach, so I I spent a year going to Bible school and traveling in Europe and came back and had a job waiting tables, got a, got a job subbing. And then I got a job as an art teacher. And so I was, I, I, when I lived in Europe, I, I, and I was at, I was at this Bible school. I, I found that I would go into the basement and make drawings and stuff. And I, I realized I was like, this is in me. And I need to make space for it when I get home. So when I got home, even though I was working two jobs and all this stuff, I got this studio space in this like attic of a church. And uh, I just started committing to painting. And I made horrible paintings. No, they, I mean, they, they just weren't <laughs> good. You know, they weren't good paintings at all. They're fine, but yeah. But I was, I was, I was doing it. And then I was 27. And I remember I had a, a distinct day where I was prep, I was in my prep period, I was writing on my board and I just stopped. And I was like, there is something else for me to do. I don't know what that is. I just know there's something else. And that started this like conversation with God and reality and my friends. And at the end of probably six months, I realized I was like, I, I want to be an artist, whatever that means. Like I'm single, it's just me. So I was, I think I was just about to start dating my wife. Uh, but at the time I was single and I was like, I could do it. So I kept my job waiting tables and I started painting and committing and all these things kind of happened. Uh, I mean, there's a, I, I actually, I mean, I could tell you, like I felt God say to me, like, just tell me what you want to do and I'll bless it. And I said, okay, there's four things I want to, be a full-time artist. I want to work at a church as an artist. I want to fight evil, meaning I want, I want what I do to be a part of the importance of the world. And I want to go on tour with a band and make paintings. And within two years, I, all of that stuff was happening. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. And how long ago was this? Um, that's like 13, 14 years ago. Okay. And have you been a yeah. full, have you been a full-time artist ever since then? I've committed to being an artist since then. Uh, there have been times when I worked on staff at a church as an artist for three years in Houston. I worked for World Vision Corporate for a year doing college campaigns, but I was still consistently painting in my garage and doing some like live events and stuff. And then what brought me us to Portland is I got a job at this design agency that then I was let go of seven months later, not because of my own fault, their financial problems. And so there's, there's been these bouts of employment with a company, but I was always committed to being a creative and, you know, I would still do like weekend gigs and stuff like that, like live painting or um, speaking or things like that. And did you ever work in, in a more like, job slash corporate environment where you did illustrations or contract work, or has it always kind of been your own thing? Um, probably the design agency was like the first one where I did specifically that world vision headquarters. So I was like, I worked in their corporate office in federal way, Washington. Um, so maybe I did some design there. Uh, but no, no, I haven't, I'm not formally trained. Um, it's more of just learning as I go and developing my own style and I'll do, you know, I'll do design book. I've done a few book covers, some posters and things like that. But, uh, I mean, I'm in a spot. <laughs> so like my wife and I were on food stamps four years ago. All right. Wow. So now, uh, and then last year I had the best year I've ever had as an artist and, so I'm at a spot where um, I don't need to say yes to everything. Sure. And like, I, like I'm in negotiation with this big um, Catholic um, 
group who wants to kind of rebrand all this kind of spiritual formation material they do. And it's a cool project, but I was just looking at it and I'm at a spot where I was like, I'm impregnated with all of these really good ideas. And I was like, I have to shelf all that if I say yes to this. Mm. And, and I don't, there's not a, like an amount of money. Like I doubt, I mean, the Catholic church does have some money, but like, I doubt that they have the funds that it would take, even if shoot, like, you know, weird, even if they're like, we'll give you $50,000 to do all this. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if that numbs the pain of like having to shelf all these things that are in me though. You know what I'm saying? Like I, at some yeah. point it's like, I like I would rather be thrifty than have a lot of money and depressed because I'm because I'm not doing what I I feel like the inner compass is leading me to do. So I had been paying attention for that to that for a couple of years now and and go I think where I need to just rest in is I need to say I need to commit to what I hear inspiration asking me to do. Mm. And that's the way forward. And I'm just saying no to like everything else because people will come to me all the time and be like, well, I'll give you money to do this thing. And I'm like, that doesn't, that's not my highest value. You know, like that's not, did it, did it take you a while to get to that point? Because that's a very mature and, and thoughtful approach to, to your art and to your life, because most people would be, uh, well, there's a good paying gig. I get to draw and make great money. Uh, of course I'm going to take it. What talk to me about how, what your processing was. I mean, that's not something you just woke up and said, that's the way you're going to live your life. I'm sure. Yeah. We talked about being an Enneagram four. So I'm ripe with emotion, (laughs) Uh, but I mean, like real honestly, I, I found that I was working, uh, there's some project and I'd work on it all day long. And by the end of the day, I was like really depressed and, and, you know, having suicidal thoughts. Mm. And I, and I, I was like, I don't care how much money I'm making on this. Like if I don't, if this is making me like not want to be here anymore, like, yeah. like that's, that's a bad sign. And and I was like, surely there's a way to get into some kind of flow. Um, so, you know, that if, if, if the divine has led me to this, to this kind of vocation that everything I need will be given to me. Mm. And so I, I want to trust that work mm. and that flow and, um, really just for like the betterment of my own health and mental health and how I am as a dad and a husband and a family. Um, and so, I, I mean, I understand like, I've been mostly poor, you know, my whole, my whole vocational life. Like I've been thrifty. I have, I had a, I have an amazing wife who's been my sugar mama for a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you need to take everything, you take everything. Like, and I get, I get that rhythm. And I'm not saying like, if I was back to being like 30 years old, I I wasn't making decisions like this, but I, I've worked long enough that I'm like, so for example, um, this really great church I know here in Portland hired me to make these icon paintings for their sanctuary. And so they developed these, they had these like six rhythms. And so I made these six illustrations that then I translated into large format paintings right up my alley. I was like, this is it. Great. I got it. I'll, I'll get this done in like two months. Cause I, this is just what I do. And then six months later, and I had just been like pounding my head. Like every week I was trying to work on it. Like the sketchbooks of like that I had to throw away of just like it just wouldn't come. Like I and I don't know how to describe it except that my my work is like I'm in a dance with inspiration. And I um I just I go, what do you want us to see? And there's a development and a and a problem solving, but there's also this other element that I don't know how to quite talk about. But that got closed off in on this project. And I, I was like making other things and I was like, what's the deal? Like the stream is flowing. I don't understand why this is closed off. And and I still don't know. I ended up finishing it and then great. But I I think during that time I was like my wife said to me, she's like, 
you know, that was a good check, but you could have probably made all that if you just did what you did on your own. And, mm. uh, and I was like, I should trust that I actually could support. Um, I should trust that the, the work that my voice in the world, the work that I think I want to lead people in and lead the church or faith communities in or the conversation in that it'll take care of itself. And I think that's what, you know, I, I hold this all open handed. I, I think that's what, um, the giver was trying to lead me in was just saying, just trust, trust your voice, trust your, your perspective. Um, yeah, because I have like endless, endless ideas right now of things. Yeah. And I feel like I'm the, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, I mean, I know I'm a four, but I'm not saying I'm like, I'm unique. I'm the only one who can do it. But like a, what a commission is, is somebody's like, Hey, I saw something in the past. Would you go back in time and make that thing again? Yeah. Whereas like, I was like, no, no, no. I want to keep going forward. I can mm-hmm. see where we need to go forward. Th- those things need to be, who's going to make those things. And so, uh, yeah. And, it, and, and, and that's, that's been working. Um, so that's, that's kind of been my process of figuring that out. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Cause what you're saying is you want to be creating something new rather than going back and trying to recreate something that's already been done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's- yeah. Because I think, I think people are like, I love that. And, 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 uh, and I get that and that's great. And I have an online store and you can buy a print of that. But I, I'm like, yeah, I, you love that. I know you'll love where I'm going to take you next. So let me like take, let me, I guess what I'm saying is like people kind of want a unique piece and I actually had to make a decision about my own work. So that, that says I can't, I'm not going to be the artist who's going to make unique pieces for one person. Yeah. Um, uh, I I had to really think through what were my revenue streams. So one thing I don't like as an artist is thinking about money. I just don't. It's not my favorite thing to think about. But I know I need money and I like money. But actually, I don't really like money. But whatever. I so <laughs> uh, but but I had to start thinking like how do I make how do I make an income at this? And uh, gallery shows have never really worked out for me. I'm not really like a a large format painter that's trying to sell one piece to one person. And I was like, what get actually gives you more joy, one piece for one person for $5,000 or a hundred prints for $50? It's the same amount of money. Right. And I was like, I actually find more joy if I went over to a hundred people's houses and my print was on their wall than one person who had one painting. Yeah. So I had to reformat my whole career, like, like my web store and what I committed to doing to do that. So, um, commission work is saying like, would you go back to one for one? And I'm like, no, I'm going to make one for masses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I, that's what I'm going to do. Um, that's, that's cool. Talk to me a little bit about, um, your books with Justin, because, uh, I don't know, um, if you know, uh, the, the, one of the publishers that, that works, uh, Doug, uh, gave me copies of the book, um, and he oh Doug Doug Mann yeah Doug Mann uh huh <laughs> oh, yeah yeah he's our marketing yeah. director yeah, yeah 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 I had him on the podcast uh, a few months back and oh, um, we've known each other for years and he he sent me some books and and forty days of practice was one of them and and I got to tell you man it just it just impacted me in a way that um, book hasn't impacted me in a while and what's so beautiful about it it's so simple but so profound at the same time uh, yeah because yeah. It, it's a thin and it looks like a picture book with just a few words on each page uh, but then you really start to dig in and meditate on your art and and Justin's words and that's what I love about what you're doing and what you guys are doing is because it's very iconic and it it speaks very deeply to the soul um, in mm-hmm. ways that, mm-hmm. that, that not a lot of art has done. Talk to me about how you guys came together on that and, and how that came about. Yeah. Uh, well, Justin and I became friends. We both do this conference in Pittsburgh every year called Jubilee. It's a college conference. And, uh, we, he's done it like 10 
times. I've done it nine times, but, uh, we just, we met finally, like at, this is like four years ago or five years ago we met. And then the next year he was like, Hey, I've been for the last while, like a couple years, I've been writing these one sentence prayers for people for like for Lent. He was like, would you ever consider putting these together with, uh, like your images? Cause your images are prayers as well. I was like, I was like, that's a great idea. So we, we talked through and, and, and so that was kind of the beginning of the idea, but as we were talking it through and what would this be, there's some really specific things that we wanted to accomplish. One was we wanted to make a, a prayer book that was for people who come out of a tradition or who have no tradition at all. Cause we have friends who are like, I'm not a Christian, but I feel inclined to pray and I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to make something that was kind of open for everybody. We wanted to make something that wasn't a book about telling you about prayer, but actually like allowed you to pray. And then we had to really define what prayer was, which was, which, which is how we say it is like prayer is not, um, prayer is the ever present ongoing interior conversation between you and existence, like the giver of existence. Right. Um, for example, like I, in college I had, you know, my utmost, my utmost forest highest, like Oswald Chambers, great book. Mm-hmm. You know, if you did a, if you did a yearly devotional thing, you know, the next year you would come to that same passage and you'd see something you underlined but you're like, oh, but that's not what resonates with me today. What resonates with me is this paragraph. And it's like, see, it's not the it's not the thing. It's the thing that's helping you get to the real thing, which is how you are existing in the world and what your conversation with God is. And so we were like, are his words, my images, these are excavation tools to help you get to that. These aren't, these aren't prayers. They are in a way, but they're, but they're excavation tools to get you to your real prayer. And, and then probably the last thing was like, Hey, it's, you know, we're late, we're in 2000 teens. Uh, we have phones. There's a lot of information every day. I don't have time to read through a five, six paragraph devotional to tell me what to think. We were like, I was like, we were like, let's make something really simple, like a one sentence and a one image that you just have for the day that helps you kind of tune into that conversation. And, and I was like, let's, I want the book to be small. I want, cause I carry a backpack. I was like, I want it to be a book that I would never feel burdened to keep it with me. And that, so those were some really specific choices about what we did. Um, and yeah. And so we self, we did a Kickstarter, we self published, did really well. And we just kept pushing it over three years. After three years, we had sold like 10,000 copies. And I was actually uh, at a friend's house and, and Donald Miller and Betsy, yep. you know, Donald Miller, yep. they were over and he was like, how's your book doing? And Betsy's like, we love your book. I was like, oh, thank you. And I was like, we've sold like 10,000 copies. And he was just like, just go to a publisher and tell him you sold 10,000 copies they'll give you a publishing deal. And so we have a second one that we are working on. And in fact, it comes out in September and it's based on the Lord's prayer. It's called may it be. So, so that's what we did. We put together, uh, uh, we got a, our friend joy is our agent. we put together a publishing offering, you know, and started pitching it and we got a really good deal. And, and now it's out in the world. These two, these, this book prayer, and then the second one that comes out and, um, I think it's, it's been really cool. You know, you make something and you don't know how it's going to land in people. You just know, you try to make it as true as you can. And so we've had phenomenal stories of people going on, you know, I had no prayer life. It's coming back. That's um, cool. I didn't, you know, and I, cause I, I, I joke, I'm like prayer talking about your prayer practice is like talking about your ab routine. Like nobody feels like they're <laughs> killing it. Right. You know, <laughs> and there's all this, it's we're, it's so funny because the disciples come to Jesus and they go, tell us how to pray. And they're in this like highly religious culture. I feel like we're in the same spot where there's all this like religion and spirituality, but people are like, I, I don't feel like I know how to do it. I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, and I think there's some really significant things with that. But uh, yeah, uh, so it's our humble offering. And I, and I see it working in people and, and it seems like that was your experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was, you know, I came from, (laughs) I come from, unlike probably a lot of people you talk to, uh, a pretty uh, religious uh, Christian upbringing. And so, you know, I probably have been taught and have learned and thought that I knew all about prayer. And, um, but I think what your book does is it, it kind of removes it from that stream altogether and says, you know, this isn't a book about how to pray or what words or what methods or what to expect. This is just, like you said, prompts. Um, these are things that get you to think about life, about God, about yourself in different ways, in unique ways, and with different sensories uh, of different senses, maybe even, than, than you, because we're so... We're so used to the words and the concentration in the head, and I think what your what your book does, uh, and and what you and Justin have done is really get to, I think the heart of the matter, uh, the way I, I I kind of have experienced it. I don't know if it's the same for everyone else, but mm, so that's, that's cool. Great. Hey, so let's yeah. shift gears just a little bit and. Um, uh, before uh, let's kind of start going down the road of talking about your current one man show. It's called Say Yes: A Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself. And and I know that um, before we just talk about what it is and where it is and what it, what it, what exactly is going on there, talk to me about what led up to it because it's obviously it's a it's a heavy subject. Um, and it's but it but it's also a beautiful story uh, from what I can see, having not seen it yet. By the way, my nephew in Atlanta saw it, um, and he just loved it. And uh, by the way, he told me he's getting a, a tattoo with with one of your pieces of art. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, talk to me about what led up to this one man show. Talk to me about the the story that that, that got you here. Well, um, I, my first one was called we are not trouble guests and, um, real quickly, like I had burned out at working at a church and that led me into a couple years of really hard depression. And, um, I ended up having working at this design agency and, uh, I was like the lowest person on the totem pole. I was just like doing these like web icons, but I had like two screens and I would, and I've always liked comedy and stuff, but I would watch these like, you know, long form one man show comedy routines and just kind of go, what are they doing here? And there's a couple that like really impacted me. Um, there's this comedian, English comedian named Simon Amstel. Uh, who had this one called numb and he's like, this whole thing came out of that. I realized I'm emotion. I was, I've been emotionally numb to everything. And, and then he told this like hour long story with, you know, hilarity of like trying to become less numb. And it ended up, he's in like the Amazon drinking ayahuasca having a conversation with the monkey spirit and it was hilarious, but he's like, but it changed me. And I, so I had had this, uh, weird kind of mystical experience in a, in a, in a prayer time with this older lady from my church that, uh, yeah. And so, so like I, anyways, when I like got laid off from this job, my depression lifted and I just had this sense that I needed to be quiet. And so I was quiet for like a week and I ran through some stuff and I started having these like visions <laughs> of, of this, like these like scenes. And I was like, Oh, I remember the first time I was like washing dishes and that's just in my head. I was like, Oh, that's a scene. That's something. And I had this such a long story, but I had this inclination that what I should do is not like, um, try to look for a new job, but I should write this show. And, and I did, and I performed it in Pittsburgh for like three nights at an art gallery. And I kept doing it a few more times and it just started hit. I loved it. And, and it also, and people were like, this is really amazing. I've never seen anything like this. And then I, and I was like, Oh, you just, 
<laughs> I had this day one day, I was like, well, if you're in a band, you know, a bar doesn't call you and go, hi, are you a musician? You are a song. You, would you come over to our bar and play your songs? No, you make stuff and then you go to places and go, I have something to say. And you do it as much as you can to whoever will show up. And so I started putting like time into doing this wherever I could. I've performed it in living rooms for four people. I, you know, I did it. (laughs) I had two nights in Grand Rapids where like six people showed up and then five people showed up, you know, and I learned some really good performing skills, but then I had done it in front of like a thousand, uh, 700 people and 500 and, you know, anyway, so I did that for like three years and did it about over 75 times and then felt like I just, was done with that narrative and you can see the whole thing on my website now it's all filmed so this so so i had this kind of thing that i was doing but i still very much was you know scott the painter painter visual artist and my wife came to, so i'm 41 now this is like when i was 39 my wife said to me she's like you know you are a painter but i actually think you're a lot more than that and i think this label that you've given yourself because just, just for the internet, there's a lot of Scott Erickson's out there. Um, she's like, I think it's holding you back. And that hit me really hard. And I had to, I stopped what I was doing and I was like, what am I trying to do? Like, what am I trying to get to? And I, if you go to an art, if you go to a gallery and paintings are up, the conversation the artist wants to have with you is between the paintings. And I was like, I actually, what I've been looking for is I want to have a conversation with, an actual audience. And I was like, Oh, I think I'm actually a lot more of a performing artist. And, and and I was like, I think I got to start trying to do that stuff as a big part of my work. And then the, I call it the voice of giving up came to me and was like, nobody gives a crap about a 40 year old trying to become a performing artist. And I was like, that's really true. Uh, like it's embarrassing it's because there are men and women my age who are experts at all of this. My, my creative hero is like a year younger than me. And he knew at 18 that he wanted to be a comedian and he's has like five, one man shows and directed three films. And I'm, and I was like, you're going to be that 40 year old guy, like starting off and being bad in front of people that, that sounds scary. And so I, I started listening to, I was like, what are, I listened to the voice of giving up and I was like, what are your arguments? And I wrote them down and there was like three things that kept saying to me. And I, I was like, these are the, these are the places I have to develop pivots or practices against. Whenever I hear this voice, I need to have some kind of answer or practice that I do. And so I developed these practices and they worked for me. And when you make stuff for a living, I was like, I should monetize this. And then I was like, don't be a dick, you know, like <laughs> just wait. I was like, sit on it for like another year, make sure it really works. So it, so this, um, so say yes, a liturgy of not giving up on yourself is like dealing with the voice of giving up. It's also about dealing with your, your dreams dying because at that time, um, I had this night where I, I like started crying and I couldn't stop. And I ended up crying on my toilet for like an hour, just sobbing. And I realized like there was this dream that I had in me that was ending, which is a pretty middle-aged thing to have happen to you. Um, and I had a conversation with a friend about it. And I was like, do you have any more, do, you, do your dreams end? And did you start dreaming again? He's like, I actually don't know if I've ever picked up my dreams again. And I was like, yeah, do you stop dreaming when your dreams don't come true? Do you stop trying? And, and so it, it's, and then that led me to this, like, uh, St. Ignatius has this thing where he says, uh, desire is the way that God speaks the loudest about your vocation in life. And so, so say yes is about like dreams dying, this path of desire given to us, giving up, and then the spectrum of giving up, which suicide is on there. Giving up can mean like, playing video games all day long because you just don't want to deal with your life. But it can also be like, I want to kill myself. And, and I have had those conversations. And then in our culture, it, even though suicides kept rising, it's become very, uh, it's part of our cultural conversation with a lot of celebrities kicking out a lot of 
um, teen suicides. Uh, when Anthony Bourdain hung himself, my friend who's a pediatrician was like, we had a rash of teenagers show up who had tried to hang themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's I was so like, rapid. you know, I've never been to, I've never, well, I was like, I've never been to a church service about suicide. Right. And I was like, what would you, can I, can I add one more thing? I know I'm going on here, yeah, but, please. A bit, but I got asked. So this is a few years ago. I got asked to speak at this like Christian arts conference and for like five minutes on this panel. And I was there and it was like academic after academic getting up and reading their papers about work and aesthetics and all this stuff. And I was like, where are all the weirdos? This is an arts conference, right? Where are the weirdos? Like, cause sure. There's some artists who are like teaching at colleges and can write papers. But I was like, I'm not that guy. I'm a haunted person. Like, like I live with a haunting that I'm trying to release. And I started realizing, I was like, I feel the same way at church that I was, I mean, there's plenty of weirdos in church. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, sometimes I feel like we talk about all of this, like, see how much sense it makes, see how it, see how we can come up with these like three life applications and stuff. Whereas my experience in the journey of being a Christian has been like mystery and unknownness and suffering and joy and spirit. And I've had a crazy mystical experience. And I was, and I was like, I kinda, I I was like, I want to make weird liturgies. Because I was like, I don't – this like, hey, let me tell – you know, I think I think preaching is a delivery for hope because we need that in the mystery that, of, that we live. But I just felt like there wasn't enough – I was like, I don't, I don't know where to fit in because I feel like all these things are like, let me solve your problems of doubt. And I was like, I don't know if those ever get solved. Uh, so I, I've been just thinking of like, I want to make these kind of weird – church services or these liturgies about the things that we aren't talking about, like doubt or depression or, um, your, or suicide. I'm, I'm slowly working on one right now. That's like, what if we made a thing that's like the spirituality of depression? Because I, I found that there was like a spiritual work that happened to me in my season of depression and still does. Mm. Um, but, and I get it. We don't want to be in it cause it's awful. But I was like, well, maybe there's an aspect of the divine that I could help illuminate through a show that involves comedy and singing and weirdness and 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 teaching and all that kind of stuff. And so that's so anyways, that's like kind of big picture on what all this is. Yeah. And that, and, that, and what you're saying resonates. I mean, I've been through something very similar in my life the last several years and um you know, there was a book. I don't know if you ever heard of Barbara Brown Taylor, but she wrote a book called Learning to Walk in the Dark. Yeah, BBT. Yeah. 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 And in that book, she talks a lot about um, this whole idea that so many, regardless of what kind of a brand of faith you come from, it, it kind of resonates almost in all faiths. It's kind of like light is good and darkness is bad. And so we kind of grow up and we structure our whole constructs around get rid of darkness, be afraid of night. And her, her, the premise of her book is like, nature doesn't even tell us that. As a matter of fact, when you start as humans moving into spaces and physically putting lights where light shouldn't be, it destroys ecosystems and, you know, Mm. turtles trying to come up on shore run, you know, go toward, um, you know, street lamps instead of back to the moon on the ocean where they're supposed to go and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, yeah. her, and her premise is, is that, you know, so many good things happen in the dark and can only happen in the dark that uh, we miss out on so much when we refuse to embrace that and we run from it. And um, yeah. that that really resonated with me and some of the stuff that I've been through. So, I think what you're saying um, is not just a, a unique experience. I think it it is the human experience. Yeah, yeah, and and say yes, even though like part of it is talking about suicide because I just did it at this church in California. Who in their community they've had like eight suicides this year, 
And they were, they were like, what's, you know, does it get into like cutting or this? I was like, no, no, no. It doesn't talk about like the elements of suicide as much as it's a conversation about how do you get, what is the death by paper cuts that gets you to a spot where you're like, like I have no hope for myself hmm. or I don't think I can be here and have any kind of success in my life. And really taking into account of like, what are our rhythms? I actually have a spot where I like, I've grown up in cities where there's a standard 16 stars out every night. And cause I had this one experience with my wife where we were in like a, one of the least light polluted places in the United States. And when I came out of my tent at 4am to take a pee, I was like overcome with the sky. Cause I had never seen, I never knew that the sky was supposed to look like that. Right. right. Like the start where you could like see the Milky way. Mm. It's like, it was so shocking. Like it's, I still can remember the feeling I can still see it. Mm. And yet, you know, where I live now, I'm by Portland, by the airport. I, you know, there's like, there's not every night there's like hardly any stars out. And so what is, what is this, this, and, and, and I surf. So I have, I'm privy sometimes to like, you know, systems and stuff like that. But we're like, you know, kind of, we see wild geese migrate, but we're like taking out of migrations and animal cycle, natural cycles. Um, so many things that like tell us about the world we live in and how we fit into it. And through concrete and lights and other things, we've taken ourselves out of that conversation. We've orphaned ourselves from the conversation of creation. Yes. And, 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 and we don't feel like a part of it or we have to like, even I've just been doing some reading and some studying, you know, for the people who were first on this continent were like, you can't own land. What? Owning land. Like the land is, gives us all the gifts of living. You can't own that. You know, the idea of like, this is my property. I own it. That's what that's ridiculous. And then this idea of Jubilee where all that goes back, where it just lets you know, like, Hey, you don't own this. It's a gift for you. This, this is a very different way of like existing in the world, but we, I don't know. And now we have all this technology and these phones and bad eschatology. Like I cover all these things of like, you know, if you just, part of my journey was like, if you don't think that you're supposed to be here, that you're that heaven or some other place is the goal, then, then being here is really hard. Cause you're like, well, why am I here? If I'm supposed to go there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, no. It's- and I need to, I needed to find a spirituality that talk that spoke to oh no being here is the point this is where the giver of your existence wants to meet you yeah that's Um, good that's good and what kind of feedback are you getting uh after these shows i know you're just kind of getting rolling i'd love to hear the feedback uh yeah i mean i've had a few you know there's a few that are like i i was really contemplating not being here this week. So this is really helpful. Mm. Um, so it goes, it goes there. Um, I get a lot of, a lot of people are like, I've been ignoring an aspect of my life that I need to like have that conversation. And I need to, I need to talk with that part of myself. Um, I really need to like, we, we do a lot about what are our narratives that we tell ourselves. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's landing really profoundly with people. I think it's, uh, yeah. And I think also, so here's my, here's my creative muse is, uh, real life is sacred moments and dick jokes at the same time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can't go to the comedy club and get too sacred. Cause they're like, that's not the place for this. And you can't go to the sacred place and get, and be too crass. Cause they're like, that's not the place for this. And I respect both of those contextual settings. I just think when we go to either one, we're, we're kind of like, I wish it was a little more Mm. because I understand that I am both of those things at the same time. So I think what's really landing in people is people are like, this is everything I've thought of. I just didn't, I just haven't heard it because we don't talk this way at my church or I, you know, I don't, I go to the comedy clubs and nobody talks, you know, if they talk about God, it's usually putting it all down, which is a legitimate <laughs> statement. But, you know, they like, what do we do with these other yeah. aspects these kind of miraculous moments or sacred moments in ourselves? Yeah. So I think, 
and I use the tools of comedy and creativity. You know, every show is there's a painting made on stage. There's video curation. There's a microphone. There's group. This one has a lot of group involvement. 30 people from the audience are involved and speak during the whole thing. So it, 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 it's that slow, um, it's that slow, I, we're all kind of knotted up and it takes 90 minutes to kind of undo those knots to the, the final kind of ritual we do at the end. We're, we're allowed to really see ourselves in our own conversations in that. And, and that's the whole goal is that we could, I could bring that deep conversation up and you'd be like, Oh, I need to, I need to have that conversation with myself. So yeah, the feedback's been really good. I'm not a celebrity in, in the way of like, I can't just be like Cleveland, come on out. I rented this theater, <laughs> you know? So I, I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm trying to go everywhere I can with it. Cause I believe in it. And you know, there's a financial responsibility that I have to, and commitment that I make with my wife and my family that I don't go places unless I know I'm going to make this much. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do as much as hustling and, and getting it to places, uh, as I can. I'm a, I'm just at that new, I was talking to my friend, uh, my friend propaganda. He's a rapper. Yeah. Um, I was like, dude, I'm doing what you were doing in, in like 22, but as at a 41 year old. And he's like, bro, I do the same thing. <laughs> he's like, I'm still doing that. And then he's like, that doesn't ever change. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but some really exciting things are happening. I, uh, I got booked at a theater for like a week up in Calgary. Oh, congratulations. Um, man. Thanks. Yeah. To, and I've all, I was like that. I've always wanted to try to do that. Could I do it night after night and see what that would be like? I just, a guy in LA, he's like, Hey, I run these, improv theaters across the nation and i want to talk to you about doing it in that context so it's one of those things where you you know you you make something and you're like i have i don't know where this is gonna go i just want to talk about it as long as i can and as long as people keep showing up so yeah that's beautiful i can't wait to see it are you are you planning on um filming it one day and making it available online or yeah, I got some guys who want to film it and try to pitch it to Netflix, and that would be cool. I doubt that will happen, but um, yeah, I will. I want people to come to it. You know, sure. I know there's some people who are like, I live in New Zealand and I'm not able to come to any of your <laughs> shows, and I'm like, I, I, I have. There's pieces of it recorded, and you can find them on YouTube. There's some like chapels or church services that I've done with it, so you can see some of the content, but um, all the interactive parts left out. And that's what really makes it magical is that there's a different audience and different secrets every night that come out. So that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I will record it and make it available. Um, I'm also finishing, I'm, I'm transcribing. I've transcribed the whole thing, but I'm working on the book version of it. So, wow. So, So there will be a book version of it. I'd like to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, right now, cause that's the number one feedback I get is people are like, uh, where can I visit this content again? And I'm like, I'll, I, I don't have anything for you <laughs> right now. That'd be so awesome. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that done. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so where can people, uh, well, they can see you on the road and if they go to, what's your website where people want to learn more about all you're doing? Yeah. My website's scotterickssonart.com. And that just has stuff there. I'm mostly active on Instagram where I'm Scott, the painter. And I, um, I let people know about shows and dates like that, but really that account is to do spiritual formation through image contemplation with that audience. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm most, most active. What's, uh, what's next on the horizon? Are you just focusing on this one man show for now or what, what other big things do you have cooking? Yeah, this is my like first year with it. So I'm really, I'm working on the dates and the evolution of it. Uh, I've got another, Justin and I have our second book coming out in September. So that's a big push. What's that going to be called? It's called May It Be So. And it's the same format as the book, but it's all inspired. It's anchored in the Lord's Prayer. Um, So it's the same kind of one sentence prayers and images, all new content. Um, And then the meditations are on why the Lord's prayer. Why, why is that prayer given to us? Um, 
whereas like prayer was helping you form prayer practices that work. This one's kind of like a deeper dive into the Lord's prayer. Um, I'm working on a few other book projects, um, some, some, uh, depression prayers. And then, um, and then, yeah, I've got, yeah, there's things, there's lots of things, <laughs> lots of things, but three kids, three kids, a wife who works, you know, we have a one year old. So yeah, I just have to constantly be like, all you want to accomplish is probably going to take longer than you think. <laughs> so well, well, man, uh, I just want you to be encouraged to know that you're, what you're doing matters. It's touching people thanks. and, um, don't, don't think it doesn't because it's reaching far and wide all ages and, um, you're making a huge impact. So thank you for that. And thank you for giving thanks. yourself to that. I know you, you're, you probably don't believe it, but, but you're a very, very, um, talented artist and you could be making a ton more money if you if you went chose to go that direction but you've chose to do things that really matter so thank you for that oh you're welcome thanks man i spend even today i'm looking at my studio in my backyard i'm like i spend most of my day in a room by myself so uh (laughs) sometimes you're making stuff you're like does this do anything but yeah it's really i appreciate the feedback yeah yeah thank you for your time and um you know, I'm going to put links to your to your website and your info in the show notes, um, and I hope that this will will get a lot more people interested in what you're doing. And I look forward to meeting you uh, when you're in here in Nashville. When, what's the date on that? Um, I think it's it's Tuesday, July 16th. I believe is the date. Awesome. Yeah. And where's it going to be? On, it's going to be, uh, my friends have this church in East Nashville called home church uh-huh. and they've got this really cool old space that they've converted. So, um, yeah, I was like, Hey, can I use your space? Cause last time we, we had a cap it at 75. Um, but they have uh, enough for everybody. So we'll do it there. It'll be a lot of fun. That's It'll awesome. Fun. That's awesome. I know a lot of people from Nashville listen. So Tuesday, July 16th, uh, home church, but you can go to, to Scott's website, uh, scotterickson.com and, um, find more about it. So hopefully we yeah. can get a few more people out that night. That would be awesome. Great. That'd be awesome. Thanks Scott. Great. Thanks Bob. Great talking to you. Okay, man. Take it easy. Yeah, bye. Bye.